You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. Since the beginning of the pandemic, I've been hearing about more and more cases of Asian hate attacks that seem to be related to blaming the Chinese for spreading COVID. It's been a year, so you could say that I've been kind of late to the game in addressing it here. Perhaps it's because there wasn't a single galvanizing event, like the murder of George Floyd, that mobilized the Black Lives Matter movement. And no, it wasn't the Atlanta spa shootings that left eight dead, six of whom were Asian women. It was the text conversation between friends. In early March, my friend Ariane reached out to me on a group text conversation, expressing how troubled she was about all the attacks on Asians and wondering what she could do to stop it. Last summer, I'd found myself asking similar questions after the murder of George Floyd, which is why I specifically sought guests who could talk about Black Lives Matter and what had led up to this latest iteration of the movement and deeply rooted historical background. I realized that we all need to speak up when we see things like this happening and to let others know that it will not be tolerated. We need to create more awareness with whatever resources and platforms we have. Now is the time for me to walk the talk on the issue of anti-Asian hate attacks by addressing it on Talking Taiwan. I don't think that what's been happening is strictly a COVID-related issue that is going to go away. Actually, anti-Asian sentiments have been around and have surfaced and resurfaced in many different forms in the past. This will be the first of a few episodes about Asian hate. For this episode, I've invited Sulaine Moy and her son Otter onto the podcast to talk about how they recently dealt with being the target of Asian hate. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. How are you guys feeling? Uh, okay, we got yeah. the vaccine today, yeah, so we're kind of weird. So if any weird stuff comes out, just leave <laughs> it out. I do want to say thank you guys for um, honoring our time to speak today because when when we scheduled it, I didn't know that you guys were getting your COVID vaccine. No, we today. didn't know. We didn't know. We got off the list. And we had to get our vaccine. I remember seeing a Facebook post from Sulane about something that happened in February, and it, and it really caught my eye. Um, so... Why don't we just jump into this? Can you tell our listeners what happened? Sure. So my son and I, we were walking in Soho, and we were standing at the corner of Mott Street and Prince Street, and suddenly a man who was crossing the street, like, he just suddenly lurched and stuck his face in mine, like, a few inches away, and um, he shouted, you fucking gooks, like, about an inch away from my face, and he had a whole lot of profanities, like suck my dick and all this. And it's stuff. also worth mentioning, he wasn't wearing a mask. And I was going to ask that. Four cuts on his face and his face was bleeding. Yeah. Oh. They were like shaving cuts, but they were with like almost ritualistic precision. Mm. On, like north, south, east and west on his forehead, his chin and each of his cheeks. So he was a very disturbing looking fellow saying very horrible things. Yeah. And my mom turns to me and she goes, did that asshole just say what I think he did? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, he did. And so we didn't waste any time because we, we, we come from a school of when we see racism, we shout it back. We shout it. Yeah, my new motto is yell it back to hell, you know? (laughs) 
That, and, that um, was so bold. I, I would commend you for that. I don't know if I would have reacted the way you guys did. It, it, no, no one knows how they're going to act. Some people just need to run away. Some people fight back. But the way that we saw it, we didn't want him to do that with anyone else. Yeah. So what did you what did you do? What did you yell back? At we him? yelled at him. I, I called him a racist. You. I called him a pervert. But the, here's the thing. We yelled. We both love karaoke and we love to sing. We yelled so loudly that everyone in four different directions on the four corners looked up and gasped. Like everything just froze. That's how loudly we yelled. We yelled profanities. We yelled, you know, anything you could think of. And he ran away. So basically he was the one who ran away. We didn't run away. And then he would keep turning around to look at us and make out like a really mean face. And we're just like, keep walking, you racist asshole, you know? Yeah. And we just, we just kept shouting and it felt like the the volume of our voices actually like was like a wind that just blew them across the street. That's what they wow. never expect that we're going to yell back. Yeah, and that that makes it more powerful. I think you know they have a stereotype that they think that Asian people won't understand or they'll be submissive, and we want to dispel that myth as much as possible. Also, we've run into this situation quite a few times, so we knew what to do. I mean, there have certainly been times that we've been caught off guard or we were a little quiet, but usually it ends with our shouting and them running away. And also, um, I mean, he's my son and I'm his mother. And when these jerks come up to us on the street, like they have no idea of what our our relationship is. Mm -hmm. They have no, you know, and a mother is going to fight to protect her child. And the same thing for a child. So, um, we also have this thing where in the moment where we have to yell, we connect with like all our anger and all our rage about like being harassed or being chased. And, and that's very powerful too. Like, so I may, we're able to tap into that and really increase the volume. It's like, it's almost like Lee Strasberg's sense memory acting technique. <laughs> like we're yelling at every racist and every harasser and every piece of shit. In that, the history of mankind. Yeah. Well, you need that energy, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we were actually lucky because uh, while we were yelling at him and calling him a racist, two um, white women stopped and saw what was going on and they sort of yelled at him too and they made sure that we were okay and said that if we wanted to like call the police and press charges they'd be willing to vouch for us and speak on our behalf and honestly that was really nice because we weren't expecting that yeah i thought that was really incredible seeing that reaction one, one of them had a cane and oh. couldn't walk very fast but she was shaking her cane yeah she was like know? i'll take a swing at him i was like P- please like be careful <laughs> yeah. ma'am <laughs> wow oh my goodness um, so yeah, and it's worth mentioning to my audience that you guys are like, you know, hardened New Yorkers. Like you, you've act, you've like had this happen. I mean, different kinds of incidents, I'm sure, throughout your. It was lifetimes. actually the second incident for me yeah. in a uh-huh. week. There was oh, an older really? fellow in uh, Little Italy who I've yeah. seen a couple times. Uh-huh. Who every time he sees an Asian person, he's like, "You cockroaches! You need to <gasps> stop breeding." And one time, I was so angry at him, I looked him right in the face and I was like, "You're right. We're multiplying, and I'm gonna have fun replacing you. You're irrelevant." And he ran <gasps> away. Wow! Wow! Oh my goodness. Um, so, I mean, this is not, unfortunately, this is not anything new. Like, you know, you wouldn't think this would be the case growing up in New York where people, where it's more diverse and people are hopefully more tolerant. But Selene, like you've had to deal with this from childhood growing up in New York, right? Yeah, I was a very young looking 
12 year old when I started You're still young looking. <laughs> oh, thank you. I when um when I started uh commuting to school from Long Island, so I had to take the Long Island Railroad and three subways. And I loved school so much. I never told my mom what happened to me on the way to school or on the way back mm. because I knew she would like be really worried and she might have me go to a different school. Mm. So I kind of, you know, my dad gave me a talk before I went on the subways. And this is like, this was like before there was an internet, right? So if you can imagine me wearing a Catholic school girl uniform and <laughs> oh, wow. being on the subway and every pervert in New York City is on the subway. So that's really where um, they used to love to catch me off guard, stick their face suddenly in my face, catcall, try to grab me, try to expose themselves to me, try to rub up against me. I remember uh, spiking my very heavy book bag full of textbooks right down on someone's uh, 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 quivering member. Yeah, let's just put it that way. (laughs) And so um, I would really, I had to, you know, that was like, I remember during my college interview, someone's like, well, you don't have a sport. And I was like, well, I commute for two hours. And what I do on the subways and on the streets of New York is very similar to lacrosse, sir. Wow. Or um, so, so for me to see all these things happening, all these anti-Asian violence and hate crimes and hate speech incidents, to me, it really brought back a lot of memories of that time. And so I was trying to figure out, like, how can I instill my wisdom and what I've learned in the past 40 years, how can I do that and share what I know with the kids and the parents so that they can they can kind of prepare for it, you know, because chances are good sooner or later that you're going to run into a racist or, or a creep or a pervert. And so I... I don't want to scare them, but I want them to start thinking strategically about how they can protect themselves, how then how they can create diversions, how they can take care of each other. That that's really was that was my idea behind writing the list, which has now grown to 16 items that you can see on my website, sulane.com, S-U-E-L-A-I-N. And I just wanted like very quick, like this is what you need to do. This is this is some of the ways that I got out of, you know, being in a really like gross encounter. You know, sometimes when they came in really close, I would sneeze or cough. My dad told me to throw up on them, but I could never do that. <laughs> I can do it. You can oh, do wow. that. Yeah, I can't do that. I yeah. can't throw up on them. Oh. But he was like, act crazy, <laughs> scratch yourself, start muttering and talking to yourself. I have used that. I've done that too, yeah. Yeah, someone will be walking way too close, and then I'll be like, damn it, you know, and I'll just, like, start, like, cursing and saying, I'm so sick of this. And somehow the anger and the unpredictability and the volatility – of my emotions throws them off. And I could Mm -hmm. tell like they were going to do something and then they thought better of it. I mean, when that incident happened to my son and I, it really felt like it was a hate crime that was about to happen. And he he kept like gesturing inside his jacket or right. He kept like putting his hand inside. And I thought, you know, there's something there. So we, we've got to do this right. We've got to get it right. First time. And I want to add that I feel like uh, the laws on hate crimes versus hate speech in this country do not protect us as much as they could, because the way it works is like, let's say someone were to stab me. If they didn't call me a racial slur first, they'd be like, well, was it a hate crime during this massive pandemic of Asian people being hurt? Who knows? But if they called me a racial slur and then did not attack me, then it would be in the category of free speech and not a hate crime because no violence was inflicted. And I think more needs to be done 
for both categories so that more Asian Americans are protected. Right, yeah. meaning that if somebody called you a racial slur, that should still be categorized some sort of a crime. I mean, although that is free speech, but it's a, it is a racial slur and there is some intention behind that. Um, but right now, like, what is, do you know how they define the difference between hate speech and, and hate crime? I believe it, it has to have varies that act of violence. State. Yeah, right. they have to actually hurt you or yeah. harm you mm-hmm. or, you know, in some way. So, right. like, for instance, if I were making a report about what happened to us, I would have to phrase it this way and say, he endangered my health because he wasn't wearing a mask and he stuck it too close to my face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could have gotten ill from like something that flew in my eye or do you, mm-hmm. do you understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So mm-hmm. it has to be a clear cut case of um, causing you harm or hurting you, which, you know, neither of us, quite frankly, Felicia, we were about to do, we were not going to let him hurt us. Yeah. Yeah. But let's make no mistake that although it has a happy ending and you guys were able to repel him, you were in danger. He was close and he was gesturing. Yeah, no, he was definitely close. He was definitely, he had malicious intent. He was telling us very specific ways. That he wanted to kill us. Yeah. What? Oh. He was saying that he wanted to kill us. I'm going to fuck you up. Suck my dick. Yeah, like all, you know. A part of me was like, well, which one shall we do first? You know, like, (laughs) but like, so I find that, you know, you have to stay so alert and so aware and you have to try different things. Like, you know, there were some days when I was just too tired to deal with anybody racist or, yeah. you know, that I would just pretend I didn't speak English. I would just mm. like shrug my shoulders and go, you know, mm. and and then they wouldn't know. Sometimes they'd stop talking because they were like, oh, well, she doesn't understand what I have to say anyway. So mm. the key thing is like, try not to have an interaction with them. I tell kids like run if you can go to safety. But if for some reason you're cornered, like, you know, like you're standing on the corner, which is where a lot of incidents happen, is people just waiting to cross the street. They might be looking down on their cell phone. They might be talking to their friend. And all of a sudden, someone will suddenly come up and try to push you into traffic, punch you, spit punch on you, you, kick you. We know a lot of people who have been spit on. Um, so that's that takes me to point two. When I was in high school, I used to travel with a long handled umbrella. It was a wooden umbrella with mm. a metal tip. And uh, the good thing about that is it actually imposes a distance of a few feet between mm-hmm, you and attacker. Mm-hmm. But should they spit or whatever, you can actually you can open weapon. the umbrella. Right. You can shield yourself or you can open the umbrella when they least expect it. And all of a sudden he's got a, he's got a face full of umbrella. So <laughs> um, so that's why I think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get people to think proactively I'm trying to get them to think it's not a matter of when, if it will happen, of if it will happen, but when and how you really got to talk to your kids about like a safety plan or things that they can do. You know, one person suggested, and I've done this as well, like point behind the attacker and say, oh, hi, Officer Chang. And as, as he turns or freezes up, you run the hell out of there, you know, or as he turns to look. So there's there's different ways. I, I've sung show tunes. I've sung um, I've sung love songs sometimes. And they're like, what? You know, why do birds suddenly appear? Try, try speaking in like a really like deep southern accent. Yeah. Like you can do expects. country. You can go, Jesus, yeah. take the weed. Um, I, I also like, I also want to add that I feel like 
I, I don't have any definitive ed- evidence of this, but I feel like it's almost a misconception that this is exclusively a COVID thing. I feel mm-hmm. like, yes, there are more incidents of violence and hate speech against Asian Americans and Chinese Americans because of the coronavirus misconceptions and racism. But I also feel like that that also emboldened people who were just crazy, violent, and racist and made them more comfortable with just attacking Asian people in general. They feel entitled to it now. Mm. And so that's where the surprise element is, is because they want to intimidate you. They want to humiliate you. They want to shame you. They want to embarrass you. They don't see you as human. They think Mm -hmm. like, oh, like this Asian person's an easy target. I can kick them when they're down. They won't do anything about it. So it's a surprise. Any way you can surprise them. Like I remember one time you spoke in a British accent and you went, oh, mommy, that bad man is trying to get you. <laughs> and then you know like so that you know we've we've done things like that yeah. yeah you just want to surprise and unsettle them as much as possible yeah and and for the bystanders who might be afraid to intervene you know you can help by like recording on your cell phone taking the the guy's picture off or if it's too scary during the interaction you can wait till the harasser leaves and you can offer to, you know, just say, hey, I'm just checking in with you. How are you? Like those But I would also did. say instead instead of just like recording your cell phone, you should show up for the victim and tell them that you're there and that you have their back. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. like sometimes if I'm seeing an elderly person being attacked or harassed, I'll go right up and I'll say, Oh hi, Auntie Chang, you know, and pretend I know them and they'll they'll that will throw them off too. Huh. Yeah, know, I mean what is start a conversation. That? The targeting the elderly, that's very unsettling. Yeah, because they have a hard time running away. So, like, sometimes, you know, I will try to distract the harasser or attacker by, you know, yelling from afar, yelling from my window, you know. Sometimes I'll I'll yell like a man, you know, like a really (laughs) deep voice, that kind of thing. Yeah, but fortunately, not that I'm condoning this, but not all of them are defenseless, like the 70-something-year-old elderly woman in San Francisco recently. She was so strong. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting a t-shirt, and we donated to her GoFundMe. She's actually giving, she got like, what, a million dollars, and she's giving it back to the community. I hope she at least buys herself something nice. Wow, wow. And what about you, Otter? Like, what's your experience been like uh, growing up? Uh, What kinds of Um, incidents have you had to deal with? I mean, I felt like uh, for middle and high school, I would sometimes have to deal with, like, uh, over, like, acts of racism like I've been called a chink in school before and I've brought it to the attention of the school administration and they've been like well what proof do you have of it you know like how Mm -hmm. how and I felt like for a while um it was a type of thing where uh hate crimes and uh hate speech against Asians wasn't considered in the same vein as other ethnicities because oh you get into great schools you you're doing so well the whole model, the model minority, minority. Myth really screws us over in that regard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i'm trying to think what else what else there's something else I well, your to mother say. mentioned like, that you also have the uh, homophobia also right yeah yeah i've been i've been called a faggot in the street before mm-hmm. i feel like um Actually, the, the hardest thing to deal with as an adult now yeah. is having people who are like vocally very supportive of you, but who sort of disparage your account of your experiences and being a victim. Like, uh, I, I won't name names. But there are so many like uh, 
affluent older white woman too who will like comment on Facebook and who will be like, I would never resort to such foul language or violence. And it's like, you weren't there. Like you can't tell me how to deal with racism and threats to my safety, you know? Like, oh, you mean that the fact that you responded with profanity? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Or, or, or at all, you know, they'll be like, well, like you could have put yourself in further danger by antagonizing oh, him more. See. Or, I mean, it's even just like the Atlanta shooting, you know, you have people who are like, I, we, we did have people who were like, well, maybe he was just going for a hard time or something. Or <laughs> you'll get someone who was like, how do you know it was racially motivated? And I was like, oh, um, he called us a racial slur and threatened to kill us. But you're, you're right. You're right. Maybe we're being too hard on him. Or too sensitive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the, the bad day thing. And that was the... The other thing that I wanted to say is no matter what happens, please don't blame yourself or your child for what you did or didn't do. You really want to, you want to really look at your kid and say, you know what? We're alive. We survived. You know, I, I feel like so many times people beat themselves up for not saying like the exact right thing or doing the exact, there is no exact right thing to say or do in this situation. And so you know, I try to turn the tables on the jerks, you know, like I try to, you know, sometimes if somebody sexual harassed me and I started yelling, uh, quite a few of them have run away. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, she, so, someone will like say something creepy to her and she'll be like, do it yourself, asshole. And then they'll be scared. <laughs> like there was one that actually ran away from her and found a police officer and was like, this lady, she's crazy. She's harassing me after he was the one who sexually harassed, cat called and, wow. and stopped her. Wow. You bend over and you do that to yourself. You look like you could use some yoga moves. Yeah. So, wow. Sometimes, like, I, I would say, well, was it good for you? You know, <laughs> you know like, they'll, they'll just get all, like, confused. But I, I really don't want the kids and the parents to blame themselves mm -hmm. and say, like, oh, I, I shouldn't have worn a red jacket that day. Or, mm -hmm. you know what? Support each other. Love each yeah. other. Yeah, and don't and don't victim other. blame someone if they didn't get a perfectly crystal clear picture of their assailant or attacker. Uh -huh, you know, uh -huh, like sometimes right. it's all you can do to stand your ground, scare them off, and or get out of get there. away. Yeah. Author Minjin Lee, we we went to college together. She's yes. the author of Pachinko. She used to tell people to uh, summon their like middle aged indignation, right? Uh -huh. So a couple of times I've thrown people off by mommy scolding them. Like, I don't know what the heck you've been watching on the internet, but you better stop that right now because it's really messing with your head. And you can sort of like scold them. You really kind of have to decide if they would be a good candidate, but there are a couple of people who've been so surprised, you know, like I wasn't expecting to hear a mother's or grandmother's voice, you know, that moral indignation, like, you know what? You don't like somebody, you don't like the way they look, you can just shut your mouth and keep walking down the street like 99% of the other New Yorkers. But so like you, you can sometimes take that tone, but again, you have to assess how safe it is to do so, you know, what you think could work. And obviously I learned these lessons after a ton of practice, you know, just trying out different things. But the, the whole like mommy shaming or grandma shaming, like, does your mother know what you're saying to women? How would you like somebody to say that to your sister? You know, sometimes yeah. they'll be like, because they were not expecting us yeah. to be human. Yeah. 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 I think you were was, asking us yes. sort of what, what's been going on in our lives since. I mean, we've been very yeah. vocal on social media, as you saw in the post. I'm very lucky to have a platform as a voice actor on Stephen Colbert Presents Tuning Out the News. They let me write and 
uh, speak on my own segment where I actually got to talk about what happened with me and my mom. It was it was really surreal, actually, yeah. because um, the character is based on me, but he's not me. Like one thing he does is he can drive and he's from Seattle, two things I've never done before. <laughs> but something that me and my character both share in common is that we were victims of hate crimes, you know, uh-huh. and we are going to do our and utmost. Both named Otter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that, that's the ever funny thing too. Cause like yeah. I, got, I got cast like in January of 2020 and I wasn't on until July. And that whole time they were like, oh, we're, we're going to have a whole character for you. And they're like, by the way, your name is Otter Lynn. You're Otter Lynn in real life, but you're Otter Lynn on the show. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to have to hire him a bodyguard, right? You know? <laughs> but it's just, I mean, it's great. It's great for representation, right? But we, we have an Asian character who's yeah. able to relate their experience of racism, but it's also so sad, right? That that is like one of the first segments I got to lead on the show, and it would be in such a, a political environment rife yeah. with that hatred, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm wondering what's happened since you shared this on social media, like what other kind of media attention you've had? Um, we've, gotten people- a, we've gotten a lot of support. We uh, were interviewed by a Danish... Uh, no, it was a Swedish. Swedish, Swedish, sorry. Um, public television. <laughs> <laughs> I got, got them mixed up. I'm part of a problem, no. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just, just cut that. We'll just say we, we were interviewed yeah, by that's a, Swedish, okay. <laughs> a Swedish news company. Yeah. And they, honestly... I was so touched by how thoughtful they were. Oh like God. they asked us if we were okay. They asked us like if like there was anything that we wanted to share with everyone back home. Like we haven't. Uh, I, I mean, I was interviewed. I don't even remember. I was interviewed by an American reporter outside my apartment too. I don't know where that story went. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't until the um, Atlanta killings that there was a huge swarm of news reporters in Chinatown trying to get our perspective before it was very sporadic. Mm-hmm. So it's horrible that it's come to this, but it's good that the media is finally saying something. Mm-hmm. I feel like there uh, is a lens, but no, people want to put a lens over it. They want to say, oh, this is exclusively related to white supremacy or, oh, this is exclusively related to the black community versus the Asian community. But if you look at the like different attacks and if just from my personal experiences, it's been something that we've received like from different communities. Like it transcends race, it transcends social class and background. And that's, what's really horrifying. Mm-hmm. And um, also Felicia, yes. my list has grown from like 12 items to 16 and it has been translated into Chinese, like simplified characters and also, um, and, and it's starting to be distributed in schools like a few local schools are handing them out to their students. Um, there are other, also other organizations who have called me to like write or speak to their, you know, Asian employees or parent groups. So um, I just, I'm, I'm actually kind of floored by like how quickly, like how many times it was shared. It was shared yeah. over 50 times on Facebook mm-hmm. and it keeps getting shared more every day because it's basically basic self-defense, right? Mm-hmm. So like, even like whether your kid is feisty or whether they're shy and quiet, there's like, there's something that you can do yourself. Mm -hmm. Like if somebody grabs you from behind, you know, like some people, they don't want to fight, but they can make their bodies very heavy. Right. Mm -hmm. Like just like going completely limp and letting Mm -hmm. gravity do the work. Mm -hmm. And then the person Mm -hmm. has to break their, their hold on you. Whereas, you know, somebody else might take a completely different 
way out of the headlock and headbutt backwards, right? Using the hard part of your mm -hmm. head mm -hmm. to smush against a nose or lips or anything, any soft place to land. I'd like Sue Lane to briefly share the 16 guidelines she's written for parents and kids on how to deal with attackers. I think it's important for our listeners to hear them. Here are the 16 safety guidelines for the parents of Asian children that I wrote because um, actually the idea for this came from a friend whose sister had adopted a baby girl from China and was now a teenager. And she wanted to know how she could talk to her daughter and have a conversation about the need for safety and what was happening. Um, parents, please adapt them as you see fit according to the age of your child and what you think they can handle. Um, I developed these tactics as a young teenager and woman in New York City when I would get harassed and threatened on my way to school or on my way home. The goal of this document is to get parents and kids to think strategically about their physical safety and to make a safety plan for just in case. So number one is tell your children you love them and that the violence or harassment is not their fault. Two, tell your child to always tell you if anyone threatens to hurt them or harm them. Talk with them about what they can do to protect themselves and keep themselves safe. They might have to create a distraction so they can run and get to safety. Three, do not pick up the hate that other people throw down. It's the racist who should be ashamed and not your child. Your child did nothing wrong to cause this. Four, the most important thing is to stay alert. Be aware of your surroundings, especially who is near you. And do not get distracted by your cell phone, listening to music or video games. Many hate speech incidents and hate crimes have happened on street corners where people are waiting to cross the street. Attackers know you have to wait at the corner before crossing the street. Many people will look at their phones while waiting on the corner. But if you're looking down at your cell phone, you may not notice anyone approaching you or any vehicles or bicycles coming towards you. You need to be aware of who is around you at all times in front of you behind you and to the sides five remember that three out of four hate crimes happen to females if you can travel and walk in groups or with a buddy some people have gotten away by pretending to wave to an imaginary policeman or neighbor behind their attacker or off in the distance oh hello officer or hi mr wilson when your attacker looks in the direction of where you're looking and pointing you run away six Different tactics work in different situations. Do anything you can to throw off your attacker. Run away, yell, act crazy, talk to yourself. Racists and attackers are not expecting you to fight back. They are expecting you to be polite or submissive. This is especially true of the girls. Tell your kids that they do not have to be polite if they feel scared, unsafe or uncomfortable. They can just start running away or create a distraction to put more distance between them and an attacker. Sometimes I will break out into song or start muttering to myself loudly about what an awful day I'm having. Then when my attackers are caught off guard, I will run away. Be unpredictable. The element of surprise has always helped me throw off any would-be attackers and escape them. You just need a few precious minutes to get away, but sometimes you only have seconds to decide what to do. Seven, yell loudly at the top of your lungs. You can actually practice this. I have found that shouting the words racist or pervert to be very effective in calling attention to a hate crime or hate speech incident. If you have a quiet or shy child, they can pretend they don't speak any English, shake their heads no, 
and run away. This way, your child does not have to have any interaction with the assailant at all. They don't have to explain themselves or be polite. Some people will stop talking if they think you don't understand a word they said. Eight, observe and memorize any identifying features of your attacker. Try to remember what the person looked like, their height, their weight, their clothing and shoes, tattoos or scars, anything that could help identify them. This is a skill. Practice it as you're walking down the street or around the neighborhood. If you can record your attacker with your cell phone safely, then do so safely from a distance. Sometimes taking out your cell phone can anger and antagonize attackers even more. Cell phones can be knocked out of kids' hands. I prefer that kids use their cell phones to call for help, 911, their parents, their friends, the police, and not take their eyes off the attacker. Nine, some attackers do not wear masks and may try to spit on you. Many people in New York City have been spit on and we're not expecting it. Keep a clear distance from any strangers and don't let them get close enough to spit on you. Ten, get your child a self-defense siren or personal alarm. You can order them from Amazon to carry in their pocket or someplace they can reach easily. If someone threatens them, they can activate the alarm and it will let out a piercing siren or a high-pitched wailing sound. When the loudness of the alarm startles the attacker, tell your child to run away. 11. Long-handled umbrellas can also keep attackers at a distance of a few feet or protect you from being spit on or having any fluids thrown on you. They can be used in self-defense in case you can't run away. Older people can use their canes or a broom or pick up a stick to protect themselves and their children and grandchildren. 12, if someone grabs you from behind, headbutt them by using the back of your head, which is very hard to hit the attacker's nose, face, or mouth. Or you can go limp using all of your body weight and the force of gravity to become heavy and slide downwards and out of the lock. They won't be expecting that either. 13, sometimes kids may be reluctant to talk. You might have to have more than one conversation with them. Try to connect with them through low-key moments when you're in the car or walking them to school. They might have questions while watching the news. 14, stay safe and look out for each other. If you see someone in trouble, you can A, call for help or get help. B, provide a distraction by starting a conversation with the target and pretending to know them. If that feels unsafe, check in with the victim after the harassment and offer them support. C, use your phone to record the incident on video or take a photo of the attacker. D, offer to walk with the victim to the police station or serve as a witness for the police report. 15, remember, different tactics will work in different situations. Do what you can to protect yourself and your child. You can run into a store. You can walk in the middle of the street, you know, as long as there's not too much traffic. But in the middle of the street, people in cars are more likely to see you. You can call 911 on the phone as you're running away. 16, follow your gut instincts. If you feel uneasy or uncomfortable around someone for any reason, don't hesitate to do what's safe for you and your child first. So that's 16. I don't know. I might add more and update it, but those are the 16 that have worked for me. Um, you know, people can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram um, and ask me questions. You know, I'm, if parent groups want me to talk to them on, on a community Zoom, I'm, I'm happy to do that. You know, I think, I think the safety 
and the protection of our children, our elders, our families, our friends, our communities is of the utmost importance. I think it's urgent. I wish I had written this list a month ago. Um, I'm sorry that I even had to write it. I had a lot of people saying like, oh, so sad. You know, it makes me really sad. And I'm thinking like, okay, you're sad. But like, what about the kid who's out on the street, who's walking home? What about, you know, the person going to the market? What about somebody babysitting their little brother or their little sister? Like, being sad is not going to help you. You need to think. You need to think of a strategy. You need to think. Even if you just have a few seconds, you can think. And yeah, the word run away appears in my list like 20 times because obviously I don't want anyone to get hurt. You know, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of seeing our people get hurt. And for what? You know, for nothing. So anyway, I'm going to put Otter back on before it gets too heavy here. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I think that we need to have some uh, practical tips. And thank you so much for sharing that, Sulaine. Uh, Otter, did you want to sh- say something? Oh, yeah. Um, I uh, One thing that really bothered us was um, the sort of like hate crime instructions that the like city of New York has for people because it, it's this long really long unhelpful website about how to identify a hate crime if it happens to you out in the world like this is what a hate crime looks like this is what might happen to you and then at the very very end it's like if you think you're like experiencing a hate crime call 311 and it's like um if you're if you're in the middle of that a like you need to get out of there and b like most of the time when you call 311 or even the police unless they think that your life is in immediate danger, they're not going to come running. And a lot of times it's just a message, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, also like, especially for the older or foreign Asian Americans who can't like, maybe either can't identify the hate crime or can't communicate properly. I find those channels are very unhelpful as well. Like, they need to be yeah, updated can, to be inclusive of everyone that might be a victim of a hate crime. Yeah, you yeah, have can to scroll we talk- all the way to the bottom of the website to learn that you have to call 311. Like, right. you have to scroll through all these politician videos and, you know, and them saying, like, oh, this is bad. It's like, we know this is bad. We know this <laughs> is dangerous. We know this is urgent. You know, get to the good stuff quick and make it above the fold. Yeah, so can we talk a little bit about, like, the aftermath? So, like, after this happened, like, did you guys try to report it? And, like, what was your experience of that? You like, like you alluded. I actually um, I actually contacted the, the hate crime unit. I wrote them an email. Um, I also, at that time, the events were not gaining such prominence. So there was a lot of talk about this is hate speech. This is free speech. Um, I also... I also made sure that it was included in the database that they're keeping of Asian hate crimes. Um, and I might, you know, I have not, I still reserve the right to talk to a police officer, but, at, you know, I just want to make sure that for me, it's not important like this happened on this day to Sue Lane. For me, it's important that other people know what to do about it. And, you know, when I first visited that hate crime page, I'm like, this is the most off-putting document ever, right? Because it basically says, like, people can say to you whatever they want. People can say to you whatever they like, you know, and you really can't do anything about it. There's like, so I think I find those resources sometimes more discouraging, don't you, Otter? Yeah. 
I think you have to do what. I, I don't right know anyone you. of any age who's go- who wants to sit through like ten slides of like De Blasio posing with Asian people and saying this is bad, but and then finally get to the end of, only to call three one one. I don't know anyone that wow. that would be helpful wow. for. Wow. So can you guys like a little bit more specifically like uh, explain like what did you do after that? Like did you go so you went to the Asian hate crimes unit to report it or like yeah. and no, what I, was I wrote an email to make sure that my account was in writing because I wanted to make sure I had it when it was still fresh in my memory. Uh-huh. And I included a very clear description of the attacker. So was it easy to know who to email and did you get a response? I never got a response. I left my phone number, my email address, you know, I did everything but draw hearts around it. You know, like I, <laughs> I, I never heard from them, which is why I might follow up at some point and say, you know, I wrote this email on such and such date. I like to have a paper trail. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I want to add that um, we're not scared of these people. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yes, they're dangerous, but, more than anything, we just think it's ignorant and pathetic and just yeah. like wrong, you know. Well, there needs to be some accountability too, yeah. because I believe before this prevalence, there was underreporting of uh, Asian hate crimes. Because I was trying to look up some information about like statistics and things, and I think um, there was some uh, analysis released by the Center for a Study of Hate and Extremism at California State University. And this is crazy to me. It says the analysis revealed a surge in cities such as New York where anti-Asian hate crimes rose from three in 2019 to 28 in 2020. Now, who really believes there were three in 2019? <laughs> who that there were 28 this year? Yeah. yeah. Or way yeah. more. Well, last year, 2020. Yeah. I mean, I think like, it's really difficult for a lot of Asian people. I mean, just speaking for myself as a Chinese American, like Mm -hmm. our struggles and our perceived weaknesses are not something that we want to open up about. It's the same thing with mental health, you know, like Mm -hmm. if you try to like tell people that you need help or that you're struggling, you're seen as Mm -hmm. weak or, or like not capable. Sure. Sure. I couldn't be further from the truth because this is happening to so many people everywhere. Just because it's underreported doesn't mean those people are fine, you know? Right. 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 And, yeah. and I do appreciate the efforts of, you know, reporters like Sifan Kim and, you know, like to document and record what's happening to Asian people right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like who has time to wait for the report to come out? That's important. But like who has time to, you know, watch a video? This is what's happening to us right now. As someone who uh, more recently came through the American educational system, <laughs> I'll say that um Asian hate is not something that is taught in most uh, American classrooms. Like I was, uh, I went to the Beacon School in Manhattan, which is a very progressive, uh, like uh, liberal arts-based public school. It's very, it's selective. Like you have to interview to get in. They have a very small Asian population. It's very, mm-hmm. it's not good. But mm-hmm. um, basically, like. stuff like the Chinese exclusion and the Japanese internment camps. Like we were a very like quote unquote woke school. They went through that with us, but not in a very meaningful way. Like to, I wrote a paper on Chinese exclusion, but it was something that I had to really fight for and really like research on my own. And I don't think like the majority of kids in America are being taught about anti-Asian American racism. I mean, like, I didn't. I didn't go to. I grew up in Canada, so I'm not that familiar with what's being taught in the U.S. But I'm quite sure that they're not te- teaching Asian American history. Like I had, I got into a dispute with one of my teachers because he kept 
defending the use of the word oriental in an academic sense. And I was Mm. like, well, you might be using it to describe this British man's perspective on something, but it is not okay to call me oriental or to expect me to be okay with like hearing it over and over again in class or have other Mm -hmm. people call me that, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think you managed to convince them? (laughs) I do. I think, I think he, to this day, he's probably still confused about why I was so passionate about it because they'll be like, it's not the same as a slur, you know, but it's like, but you, you shouldn't say it. Well, it's an objectification. Yeah. Yeah. We're not furniture. We're people. And also I would like to say Felicia that, you know, compared to other immigrant groups who can assimilate more easily, like, you know, from like Europe, you can tell from our eyes, like, you know, a lot of times I would laugh because like news accounts would say, we're not sure if this is a hate crime. Mm. And, you know, the defendant was heard saying, you know, I hate Chinese people or whatever, but the only thing that's visible above our masks are our eyes. Yeah, it's really sad. I can answer the phone and be mistaken for a white woman, but anyone can look at me on the street and see me as an Asian person right away. Yeah, yeah. And attack me for it. Another thing people say is like, but this is New York. But yeah. how would, how come they do it in Chinatown? There are Chinese people there. And it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I remember one time these guys shouting white power, white power, you know, from their cars. And every time they yelled power, I would yell flower at the exact same moment so it sounded like they were saying white flower white flower. they were so confused because i was yelling it from my window and it was dark but i i just didn't want any of the kids to hear it you know i, I didn't for want you like what what is that, that that's the ever crazy thing right there's so many racists like we uh i've dealt with it and so how i've dealt with it in little italy but, uh, sometimes I've dealt with it in Chinatown, but for so many people, it's like, if you really hate us so much, you really don't have to come to Chinatown. Just like <laughs> pick a different neighborhood. I did want to say one yes. thing, Felicia. Yes. Everybody in Chinatown from the littlest to like the oldest resident, we all wear masks. Um, which has kept our population here pretty safe. Yeah, Asian people were wearing masks before COVID, yet we're blamed for spreading the virus when the majority of the people (laughs) spreading it were European tourists who were trying to hop through when they knew the borders were going to be closed and, like, frat boys, right, who keep throwing parties. Yeah. But also watch if uh, some of the attackers don't wear masks because, like, hey, it impedes on their freedoms, right? So that's also a good indication that a person may be dangerous or unsafe. If I see a guy not wearing a mask coming down the street, you know, I'm almost expecting him to say something to me, really. So that's like a big tip when you're walking down the street. Right. Well, it's also a sign of disrespect because, you know, the person is clearly not having respect for other people. Yeah, because right, the mask is not necessarily to protect yourself, but to protect others from you. Bro is so ugly, you know. <laughs> I, never, I never see someone like wear not wearing their mask, and I'm like, I'm so happy I get to see their face, you know. And it's never, it's never anybody hot. Keep that. You can keep that on the record. Oh, really? Okay. I'm okay say, should that. I edit that out? No, don't edit it out. I want, I want the world to know. I want the world to know that every maskless person I've seen so far has been ugly. <laughs> Inside and out. Okay, I'm, I'm, I can die on that hill. You're gonna die on that hill. Yeah, I'm gonna die on that so I hill. guess I'm gonna protect that hill yeah. then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh 
Okay, wonderful. I think Thank that you. about covers everything. Yeah. So how, how <laughs> yeah, can yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah? So how can people uh, get in touch with you, contact you if they want uh, to oh, know more yeah, about you? Yeah, you can connect with me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Otterly Moy O T T E R L E E M O Y. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. I would say Instagram is the best place to reach me. And uh, if you, if you're not like someone who follows any of the other people that are with me or whatever, feel free to drop me a message. I probably won't get to it right away or like write a comment and tag me in it and I'll, I'll try to read it. I am uh, actually organizing and performing in two different Asian American comedy showcases that are coming up this mm-hmm. spring. Yes. We have um, Crazy Talented Asians and Friends Triumph Over Quarantine at Flushing Town Hall. That will be a virtual show mm-hmm. over uh, Flushing Town Hall on April 17th. At, at 8 p.m. And then um, I'm also one of the uh, creative producers for Asian Comedy Festival, mm-hmm. which will be a showcase of different uh, Asian stand-ups and podcasts mm-hmm. on uh, May 16th at the Tiny Cupboard in uh, Brooklyn. And I, I believe that telling stories, making people laugh and yeah. relating to others is one of the best ways that you can combat hate. For me, I, I'm just Sulane Moy on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So, um, yeah, people can send questions or if they have concerns. Um, I, th- I think we've pretty much experienced every type there is to experience. Yeah. Yeah. Experience every type of what? Concerned. Every, every, oh. well, every type of prejudice, <laughs> yeah, every type it, of oh. racism, every type of sexism, every type of misogyny. Every type of white liberal vapid response to uh, (laughs) I mean and and I you know Otter was right this is something that it it radiates out throughout society at all different levels you know and all different income levels that you can experience racism anywhere and I I would just like to stress kids you know how you don't pick up garbage from the street and put it in your pocket well it's the same thing with racism don't pick it up and put it in your heart or your pocket you know Mm. And don't yeah. go out with it on a date. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Like I like if you that. go on a date with someone and they start saying some weird, like, racist <laughs> crap, like, don't, don't, don't wait for dessert. Just. <laughs> <laughs> That's a quotable. I like that. Wow, yeah. That's a good date. You can make it till dessert. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're so easily targets because of the visibility thing. But yeah, thank you so much for your time, guys. I really appreciate um, your spirit that you guys have some practical tips and that you can still laugh about it and um, fight the good fight. Thank you for um, taking the time out of your schedule. Thank you. We're looking forward to the episode. See ya. Bye. I've been speaking with Sulin Moy and her son, Otter Lee, about a recent Asian hate incident that they experienced in New York City's Soho District. Sulin is a New York City mother, writer, and has written the 16 safety guidelines for the parents of Asian children based on her experiences with racism and misogyny on the streets of New York City. Otter Lee wrote a segment about the anti-Asian incident that he and his mom experienced, and it aired on a recent episode of Stephen Colbert Presents, Tuning Out the News. To learn more about Sulan and Otter, and for any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There, we'll list any related links. Next week, we'll be sharing part two of my interview with Dr. Karen Tsai about her work with Donate PPE. Stay tuned for future episodes of Talking Taiwan on the topic of Asian hate.
If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, tell a friend about us, or better yet, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.